welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On this episode, we talk with women's hockey legend, Winnie Brote Brown. We discuss hockey development in Minnesota, the Whitecaps and professional women's hockey, the Upper Midwest Girls High School Elite Hockey League, and the current college recruiting environment. I really learned a lot in this conversation, so I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Before we get to our guest, if you enjoyed this episode and want us to keep making more of them, please share it with teammates and friends. You can also subscribe, like, follow, and even better, it would be great if you would leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I'm very excited to have on the Champs App Podcast, Minnesota hockey legend Winnie Broke Brown, hailing from Roseville, Minnesota. Winnie was the first winner of the Minnesota Ms. Hockey Award in 1996. She then went on to win two national championships with the University of New Hampshire and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. In addition, she played with the U.S. Women's National Team at two national championships, winning silver medals at both the events. She then started playing for the Minnesota Whitecaps in 2002, yes, 2002, and is still playing for them as their captain this season. Uh, beyond her professional career, Winnie is a mom, a business person, and the owner of OS Hockey, as well as the Minnesota Junior Whitecaps. And she is also the director of girls hockey at the Upper Midwest High School Elite Hockey League. Welcome to the podcast, Winnie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, you have a very, very long hockey uh, career and continues to this day playing professionally. Um, and so we're, we're going to start out with uh, asking you, uh, like we do all our guests, a little bit about your hockey history. And my first question is, is that you started playing hockey when you were 18 months old. And I was wondering what took you so long to, to start skating? <laughs> my mom and dad. So... Actually, at the rink that you're uh, in right now, which is a pretty special place for my whole family, is like, that's the rink that I started on when I was 18 months old, uh, the Roseville Ice Arena. And my dad would be playing open hockey beforehand, and my mom did all the teaching and all the picking up and, you know, putting us out there on the ice. And uh, I ended up playing mite hockey um, when I was four for Roseville Youth Hockey. And um, I also figure skated uh, the whole time. So... I, my whole family plays, my mom, my dad. Uh, my mom actually started uh, the first women's um, open hockey, probably in the whole state, maybe even in the whole country at Rolls-Royce Arena that's still going today. And that was probably back in the 70s that she started. <laughs> so wow. that's pretty cool history about just that rink. Um, and it was just so what, for women. What, why, why did you, what motivated your mom I, to I get, get so involved? I think it was like she was at that age group where women didn't have a lot of opportunities to participate in sports and my dad played and my mom just wanted to and there's a bunch of uh, hockey moms that wanted to start playing so they got ice at Rolls Royce during the day and they just put their figure skates on and got a hockey stick and had all you know all their husband's gear and stuff and just uh, had a blast and I think that's probably why I was the third kid in my family. So, and we, my mom had started us all at 18 months old, uh, pretty much when we could walk, because when she started, when she was 22 at that ring, she's like, girls should, you know, everyone should be able to play. Cause my older brother played, my sister who's six years older than me played. And then um, I'm just grateful that, you know, my mom started me as well. And uh, I think it's one of those things where I think a lot of the women back in that generation, like I said, didn't have a lot of opportunity and, you know, hockey is a great sport. And so my mom and dad thought that, you know, why not? So they put me in the boys hockey at Roseville. And back then, 
you didn't have another choice, right? Like now in today's world, it's a lot different because you put a girl in boys hockey and sometimes people are like, oh, why are you doing that? There's a place for the girls, you know, to play girls hockey. Um, but back then, you know, if you were a good athlete and you could make the travel A teams, uh, no one really said anything. And I had great teammates um, in our community at Roosevelt that supported me from the time I was four playing with the boys and mites, all the way through A squirts, A peewees, A bantams, all the way up until the high school program where I played uh, for two years. And so, and my understanding is you kind of didn't even realize that, you know, at five foot four and relatively smaller than the boys, you know, like that you, know, you should be oh. a little bit more scared than you were. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think looking back now, I see some of these guys going out on to practice for high school practice. And I look and I'm like, did I really think I was like their size when I was playing back then? But I think because I didn't know any different, I think I honestly thought I was the same size as the guys that I was playing against. And, and I think I was able um, to compete also because uh, I figure skated up until I was 18, which most people don't know. Um, and so I think that was a big piece of it is that my uh, efficiency of skating. And I also think that's a reason why I can continue to play today in today's game is because of my background in the figure skating. Because people don't realize back when I was playing, we didn't go to boys camps. We didn't, you know, go to week-long camps, stay overnights and all that stuff. Um, there was no real training. It was pretty much, we grew up and in Minnesota, what you do is you play on the outdoor hockey rinks and that's what we did. And, and it was a neighborhood thing and we all kind of just developed each other and we developed a passion for the game. And I think that's also another reason why I'm still playing this because I started the game because it was fun. And um, it just brought a lot of happiness to me and my family. Um, and I think that's why I still play today. Okay, so um, what were some of the, I know you play defense. So what are some of the skills that you think you developed by playing with boys? Like, was it like battling in the corners? Was it like shoulder checks? Um, was it, obviously you were, you were a very good skater. Was it like just figuring out how to have to skate away from them and, and avoid getting hit? Yeah, I think, well, back then, like, that's all guys wanted to do was hit the only girl on the ice. So it was pretty much like I tell people when I was playing, it was more, it was survival every game <laughs> out there. And I think the two biggest things I took away from playing boys is obviously the toughness. Because um, I think guys are really resentful, like, they're just resilient and they just keep going and attacking. And I had to be pretty smart, so I have to say my hockey IQ as far as breaking the puck out was super important and I took a lot of pride in that and then just stopping the rush um, and I think I was able to do that because of my skating and ability and I think I was put at defense because of my skating um, which I didn't mind because I like being back there and I hate being scored on so <laughs> <laughs> gotcha and 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 fundamentally what do you think made you such a, a great hockey player like was it just playing with the boys or was I it do you feel like it was your family also helped out with uh, teaching you yeah, I think it was, you know, I mean, the amount of hours that we played outside. I, I know everyone talks about, oh, these kids, you know, do so much skating and, you know, all this stuff in today's world. And I go, I think we skated a lot more back in the day than the kids do now. It just everything's a lot more organized than it used to be uh, because we would be out on the ice for two, three hours straight and you would never have breaks, right? Like you're just out there and you take a little, you know, 20 second break and then you're back in the game um, when you're playing out on the pond or out on the lakes or in your backyard rinks. And so I think um, just creativity playing outdoors and 
um, just the fun it brings and the passion that you kind of just have. And I think when you get that as a kid, uh, you don't ever lose that. <laughs> um, if you don't let yourself, I know a lot of people do lose it because they almost take it too serious. Yeah. And you just got to remember, like, why are you playing? And, and I always, my why is because I have the opportunity to play and my mom didn't have the opportunity. And she always reminds us of that all the time because she's <laughs> 75 and still playing hockey. Um, wow. And I always tell her, I go, mom, I go, cause she goes, we'll see if you're playing until you're 75. And I go, but I got a 20 year head start. So <laughs> I can retire, you know, at 50 something from playing. Uh, so I think, I think it is, has a lot to do with my family. Um, we're super competitive super passionate, but we always remembered that the game is fun and that's the way it's supposed to be. And um, be thankful and grateful that you have the opportunity to play is what is kind of a big message in our family. That's awesome, that's awesome. So um, so as I mentioned in the intro, you're the first ever woman to, wear, to win the Minnesota Miss High School in 1996. So my question is, did they create the award just for you? Um, you know, since it didn't exist beforehand. And, and if they did, how, you know, how did you end up winning it? Uh, well, it's a good question that you're asking that because they did have a state tournament the first year and they didn't have a Miss Hockey. So I was fortunate enough in 1996, when they had the state tournament, they had added um, the Miss Hockey uh, award and I think it had a lot to do with let's play hockey and the support of that and they kind of hosted the banquet for the boys that it's awarded to the best uh, male hockey player in the state which is a big deal in our state and for me it was pretty neat and pretty special because when I got the award for Miss Hockey that year uh, I was at the boys banquet so it was all guys in the room all my peers that I'd played you know growing up playing against them in squirts, peewees in high school. So the irony is I knew more of those guys in that banquet than any of the girls I played against that season, played my only year of girls hockey. So for me, it was pretty cool that I got to accept the award with the guys that I had played against and played with all those years. That's awesome. So um, maybe, uh, you know, the Ms. Hockey Award what was going to be the answer to my next question, but what overall what was your best youth hockey memory before heading off to college? Um, gosh, I had a lot of them. We had a lot of fun teams and we we're uh, pretty competitive. I would probably say playing in the state tournament uh, for the A Bantams because now hockey is different. Now it's double A Bantams and double A Peewees. Back then it was just A, B, C hockey. <laughs> Now there's a whole bunch of letters, um, but uh, just my A Bantam team uh, that I was actually, I mean, we were probably one of the top five teams in the state. And I think just that season overall is kind of where I really wanted to be a hockey player. And, and the crazy part about that is that was before there was the Olympics. The Olympics, you know, hadn't been announced yet for 1998. Yeah. Um, there was no college hockey in the Midwest. Uh, there was a lot of things that weren't around, but I was like, I really wanted to be a hockey player. <laughs> and at that time, I'm like, you know, my eighth grade year, I'm like, gosh, I, what am I going to do? Because I can't keep playing boys hockey forever, you know, in college and stuff, as much as I would have loved to. Um, I just saw the boys were now starting to get a lot bigger, stronger. Um, it was just changing. And so 
a couple years later is pretty pretty neat when they announced the Olympics and all that type of stuff that was going to be you know coming along in 1998. Gotcha. So so help, help me understand how you ended up at University of New Hampshire um, and uh, you know the year that you spent there and then obviously then moving back to Minnesota. Help me understand your college career. Yeah. So I had a very interesting story. So when I was a senior in high school. Uh, Chris Voles, who was the athletic director at the University of Minnesota, had called me up and I met her and she said, the University of Minnesota is going to be adding a team in 1998. And uh, so they weren't going to have it. I graduated in 1996 from Oslo High School. They said that they weren't going to be having a team um, till the following year. So then I would have to like go to school at the University of Minnesota, but not play because they weren't going to have a team until the following season. So at that point, um, Coach K was at the University of New Hampshire, the head coach, and she had contacted me and she wanted me to go play at the University of New Hampshire, which was one of the top teams in the country at the time. And I was still training to try to make the 1998 Olympic team. And so I decided, you know, my best, my best uh, situation would be to go to New Hampshire to play on this team because I didn't want to sit out <laughs> and not play. Um, and so it actually ended up backfiring on me because uh, about three weeks before I was supposed to leave for the University of New Hampshire, one of my good friends, Debbie Thompson, who was a Division One gymnast, had called me because back then it was landlines. There was no cell phones. <laughs> so you had to call people's house lines. And she said, you know, Winnie, are you eligible to play hockey this season? And I'm like, what do you mean? Am I eligible? I, I should be. I'm leaving like two weeks to play. And she goes, because I'm going to be in my first meet. And they said, um, I'm not eligible because of a English class that we had taken in high school. And so sure enough, I called the clearinghouse. It said that I was half credit short in English. And it was just a whole huge mess. And I wasn't eligible. And either were a bunch of female athletes all across our state in Minnesota. And it was because I think we were all freshmen. And in the state um, school system, they had changed, like you have to take an English class, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. So usually it was only 10th, 11th, and 12th. But our class, graduating class, was the first class you needed all four years of it. So our senior year, we had to take like an English course to graduate. Um, so we took this one. It was called Efficient Reading. Uh, our high school had changed it to critical reading and the clearinghouse and NCAA clearinghouse was so far behind in their paperwork that they thought it was a remedial class for kids that couldn't read, but it was actually a college prep course class for speed reading <laughs> to prepare for college. Um, so the NCAA clearinghouse didn't uh, say it was okay for the credits that we needed to be a division one athlete. So it didn't affect division three athletes, just division one athletes. And so, Pretty much, I had to go back to high school for a month to take oh, an English geez. course. Yep. Um, and then finally, like, NCAA wasn't talking to anyone. It became a huge deal. Uh, Senator Wellstone and um, Governor Arnie Carlson had to step in for all of us female, female athletes that it was somehow just affecting us. <laughs> and we're talking softball players, you know, uh, soccer players, gymnasts. I was probably one of the only hockey players that it affected uh, but then they finally passed it in November that this class was okay. These classes that were changed in their, you know, high school curriculum, like it was okay. 
And so that all got passed. So Coach K said, well, do you want to start up at New Hampshire in uh, second semester? And I talked to my parents and I decided that I wasn't going to because I didn't want to miss a half a season where you're meeting all your friends, you're, you know, meeting everyone at school, you're getting kind of acclimated. And so I decided to take the whole year off. So I ended up just training on my own and doing that stuff. And so the irony is that I ended up taking that year off anyway. So then I could have, I just went to the University of Minnesota. Gotcha. <laughs> that's what actually happened. Yeah. Uh, but I, I owed Coach K and the program to go out there. So I ended up going the next year and then that following fall. And then we ended up winning a national championship. And it was like, I mean, it was a perfect year. Um, everything was great. It was almost too great that I kind of, I kind of spooked myself like, gosh, you know, like it's going to be really hard to leave here in four or five years, you know? So, and then, uh, my little sister who's six years younger than me, um, was coming up and I didn't want to miss her stuff. And so I ended up going back home to uh, play for the Gophers. So, yeah, so you played with your sister. The, yeah. But then you played with your Chelsea so, for three years at uh, Minnesota. Uh, one year, one year at Minnesota. One year? Yep. Okay. My senior year. Yep. So okay. we're six years apart. So it's crazy how I actually even did that. So I graduated in 1996 and I graduated from the U of M in 2003. <laughs> so like, so pretty much I went to New Hampshire, um, went to Minnesota, then uh, won a national championship uh, my junior year at Minnesota. And then I trained with the U.S. team. So I lived in Lake Placid, so I didn't play. Or I played with Team USA, so that year doesn't count. And then after I got cut for the second time, I decided to take a break from hockey and just go okay. to school at the University of Minnesota because I knew my little sister was coming in her freshman year. So I registered wow. that year, and then I played my sixth year. Gotcha, with Chrissy, gotcha. With Chrissy Wendell and Nally Darwitz and them. Because people have to remember – my whole class, like Nadine Masral and those guys were all gone when I came back because yeah. I was gone my senior year. So I was gone my senior year. Most of the people I had went to school with for two or three years were all graduated. And so gotcha. I knew the, the people coming in, I knew that class, the younger class, even more because of my sister and stuff. Gotcha. And, and Chrissy Wendell, Natalie Darwitz, not, not yeah. too shabby players right. that you're playing yeah. with. And I'm, I'm assuming at uh, the national camps, you, you, were, you played with them as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yep, uh, yep. Oh, yeah. I've known the first time I met Chrissy Wendell was at the rink that you're at, but outside at the John Rose Oval, the speed skating oval, because we were out playing pickup hockey um, on the big old rink out there. And she had a big black eye. And I was like, who's this girl? She's got some good hands. <laughs> back then, I remember there wasn't very many good girl hockey players, right? So when you saw one, you're like, whoa, <laughs> it's pretty nice. cool. Nice. So, um, you know, let's let's talk about being centralized with the USA hockey team. Obviously, you're good enough to play on the world championships for a couple of years. Um, yep. And, you know, for a few uh, and then one was canceled even because of oh, the staff break on 2003. That was oh, fun. I remember that. Yeah, that, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we had Aaron Witten Hamlin on, on the program, who's the, the head coach at uh, Merrimack. Um, and, and she talked about the real challenges of, you know, being on the national team, playing in world championships and getting cut for the Olympics and then making it back to the national team after the Olympics because she, she still had the fire in the belly. Um, what was it like, you know, being in that situation where you wanted to make it and, you know, getting centralized and, and you know, not being, making the team for the Olympics? Yeah, that happened to me um, a few times. And I think it's just my competitive spirit 
that kept me going uh, just because I'm just, I'm pretty self-driven. And I think, I mean, looking back, I must've just really loved hockey <laughs> to go through all the ups and downs and the adversity and still love the game and still play. Uh, I think I kept a pretty good perspective and, um, you know, I just like being a part of a team and part of the people and just, you know, you're around people that are very like-minded and, you know, they're all some of the best in the world and they're there for a reason. And I think it's just a mindset, uh, but it definitely is tough. And I think that's why I've been able to really relate to the female players that I've coached over the years, because the Olympics and is an end game, but it shouldn't be the only, the only thing that you're trying to achieve. I think it's, you know, it's great if you make it, it's, you know, you're not a failure if you don't, because uh, there's many people, uh, I mean, I equate it kind of to the NHL, like look at how many guys, you ask any guy that's played at a high level. I mean, there's so many guys that were right there that could have made it instead of that, right? It might be opportunity, it might be someone, one coach likes you, one person in the organization likes you. So you can't, um, be super hard on yourself when you don't make those things. And, and I think every time I didn't make it, it kind of just put more fire in my belly to keep proving myself and, you know, saying I can do this and I'm a good player. And, um, so I, yeah, but it's, it definitely, it teaches you a lot. And there's a lot of people that I think it's ruined hockey for, unfortunately, which is super sad. And I think when we all, uh, think about the game, you want to keep the game where you want to have someone have an experience where they want to put their kid in the game. Um, I think that's, that should be everyone's end goal uh, because hockey is bigger than just the sport. I think it's a lifestyle and I think it's, um, it's important for people to have people in their life. And I think it's important for people to have exercise in their life, uh, setting goals, uh, following through with things, being a good teammate. I mean, there's so many aspects of hockey that um, is bigger than just actual, you know, the game or making any team making team yeah yeah so i i know uh you've probably been asked this question before and probably it's a little bit of a cliche but looking back on your time around the uh trying to make the olympic team is there anything you would have done differently uh now now that you've had you know so many years to look back on it um i don't think so i i, I mean honestly i look back and i don't know how i uh did it for that long to be honest i think any athlete that's played at a high level sometimes looks back and is like, uh, how did I do that for like 14 years, you know, and just keep battling away. And uh, I think, but that's part of my drive, right? And when someone tells me I can't do something, that's what drives me is what I found over the last 20 years of my life. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, so last question related related to the national team. So honestly, did, did you think about playing in the upcoming Olympics, especially since the team was centralized in Blaine, Minnesota, which is, you know, just a few minutes away from you? Come no, on. My US, no, no, my USA hockey days are long gone. Um, <laughs> you know, that takes way too much uh, dedication. And, you know, now that I have kids, there's no possible way. Well, you're superwoman, you know. I'm running around. I'm running around. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, let, let, let's move on to, to your hockey family for a second. So who I, I got two questions related to your family. So who who is the best hockey player in your family? Since I know your dad played hockey, obviously your mom played hockey. Well, I have to say my brother Vic. And my yeah. brother Vic, otherwise I won't live that one down. Yeah. Uh, but he played St. Cloud, right? He played at yeah, St. Cloud. Yeah, he played at St. Cloud State. Yep, yep, for Herb Brooks, which is pretty cool. So when I was like 10, I was, you know, watching Herb. Herb coach, <laughs> my brother. Okay, and then 
who's the best coach in the family? Since I know your dad is still coaching. And, coach. Yeah, and I think one of your sisters also coached. Yeah, I think I'm really, my brother Vic, well, he won a state title at Roseville with Bethany and his daughter, Hannah. So I'd say he's probably the best coach too, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, you, know, you know, you could vote for yourself. Say. It's okay to vote for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say my brother Vic. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So now he coached, he coached Lee Steckline, who's on her fourth Olympics. So that's pretty, that's pretty impressive resume. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I awesome. trained, I trained Lee <laughs> and coached her, but it's, uh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So um, I know your family's been deeply involved with Minnesota Whitecaps. Um, and so maybe you can just explain the history of the Minnesota Whitecaps since it started way before you know, the NWHL and the PHF, you know, even started up. So yep. maybe talk so, about the history of it. Yep. So Jenny Schmigdal Potter, because um, now Jenny, it's Jenny Potter, it's her married name. Her dad, Dwayne Schmigdal, uh, her and my dad, or sorry, her dad and my dad, Jack, uh, when we graduated from college, we were still part of the U.S. program and he, they both wanted us to be able to play in Minnesota and there was enough players here to put a team together. So um, I think Dwayne was talking to Haley Wickenheiser because um, the Oval Extreme had split off from uh, the Eastern League. And so they started the Western Women's Hockey League, which would have been like uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Minnesota, and um, Calgary. So we kind of started our own uh, league. So the travel, because obviously travel is one of the biggest expenses for hockey, right? So we kind of had our own league. And because uh, I know a lot of players up until that point who are Americans would have to go up to the Canadian Women's Hockey League and you couldn't have jobs up there. So it's, I didn't, that wasn't something I was looking at doing because I was uh, working at ProGuard Sports. Um, I was a group fitness instructor at Lifetime. I was running OS hockey. I just had too much going on here that it wouldn't be worth it to just move up there and just do hockey, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's why my dad and uh, Dwayne started the Minnesota Whitecaps. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, they've been around since what, 2002, right? And yeah. um, have, have seen different leagues and now- we've seen a know, lot of different uh, leagues, probably the most. Or, yeah, yeah. probably seen the most. Um, Sure. And, and you're still playing for them. You're the captain this year. So yep. my, my, my obvious question is, is how are you still able to play hockey after all these years? And I think you kind of answered this a little bit before with your mom, but did your mom and your dad ever try to influence your decision either to keep playing or to retire, you know, over the last uh, few years? Um, not really. I think, I mean, my parents always said, even when I got cut from Olympic teams, they said, you know, stop playing when it's not fun. Um, and so I've never really hit that point. And I've been fortunate enough that, like I said, I've been a group fitness instructor at Lifetime for about 16 years. So I just have been able to stay in shape. Um, I'm on the ice a lot. I'm learning new things about hockey all the time. Um, and so I think just advancing the game, I just think back in the day, I'm like, I look back and I go, gosh, I worked way too hard when I was young because I was an offensive D. But at the same time, I'm like, being an offensive D was really fun though. <laughs> um, now I'm like a stay-at-home D and I'm like, oh, I could see when I was younger why I was an offensive D. Uh, but, um, and I think just my skating ability probably, and, and I was a multi-sport athlete, right? I didn't just do hockey. So I wasn't really burnt out 
I think a lot of kids these days, they're done playing hockey after 20, 25 years because they've done so much of it. Right. So I, I've never really had that. I mean, the most hockey I ever played was when we centralized. I mean, I'm looking back in all the years and that was, you know, in 2001. (laughs) So it wasn't that long ago. And I think uh, that's probably a reason why I can still play because I was playing soccer all the way till I was 18. I was figure skating till I was 18. I was golfing, um, doing all these different things. So I think that's probably a reason why I'm still playing. Gotcha. So how many more years you got in you? So I know in 2019, you said you got at least one more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's getting less and less. So, (laughs) (laughs) and it, and it is because my two sons, Weston is eight and Branson seven. So, and, um, they're in a lot of activities and a lot of different sports and it's just, you know, I don't want to miss their stuff because my parents never miss my stuff. Gotcha. So if the semifinals are in Minnesota and you win that game, but the finals are in Boston, are you just going to quit before? <laughs> before the game actually. Before the starts? game goes, yeah, so that you can say you won your last game in Minnesota. In Minnesota, yeah, that actually might be a good idea. I've never thought about that. Be like, scratch me, scratch me from the last game. My last, I already played it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got I got a sensitive question to ask you. Um, so you, you've seen hockey from every level, youth, college, national, professional, coaching, business, without saying anything too controversial, what is your perspective on how a sustainable women's pro hockey league with all the best players in the world should be put together? How it should be put together? Um, yeah, so how, should it be, everyone, how should it be run? Because right everyone, now, not everybody's all together on the same no, page. Right. I think everyone just needs to be on the same page because we're all wanting the same goal, right? everyone wants what's best for the girls that are playing right now. The, you know, U6s, U8s, U10s, whatever it might be. Um, I think just everyone has to kind of get together, get on the same page and work together because that's ultimately how, how it will grow for everyone. And everyone you know, needs to be positive and helpful. And I think, um, I think it's time for people to come together. Do you have a point of view on how that might happen? Uh, I think, you know, you just got to get some of the most powerful people in women's hockey in the same room and just get on the same page and go with it. Because I think if you have everyone going in the same direction, I think it could be really awesome. Um, the things from where I've seen the game come in the last 20 years is, is incredible. And I think that it can even be better, but I think, um, in women's hockey, it's a pretty small, small niche. And I think it hurts when people are split because uh, now you're splitting half of your support. And I think for the women's game to grow, you need all the support going in one direction. Got it. Whatever direction that might be. And that's, that's for the people um, in charge and um, ultimately the people that are going to be financially backing this thing. Gotcha. Well, hopefully they get you involved to at least understand from a grassroots level, you know, what it really takes to build a successful, you know, girls program and how you can apply that potentially at the professional level. Like I said, since you've seen it from, from every possible angle there is, right? Um, yeah, so let's, let's move over to Minnesota hockey. So I read a, a great quote, which is, Winnie embodies what it means to leave the game better than you found it. Um, and I know you've done some amazing things with, with Minnesota hockey, which is actually how, you know, I asked you to be a guest on the podcast. You are the most recommended person for me to have as a guest um, based on everything that you've done for girls hockey in Minnesota. So here's my question for you. 
what makes Minnesota hockey, girls hockey players so good? Is it like the coaching, the ice time, the culture, the high school hockey? Like why can't other areas of the company copy, uh, other areas of the country copy what, what you guys have been able to do? I think it's pretty special um, in that we have a lot of rinks and the proximity of those rinks to our community is, is a huge uh, reason why our numbers are so high. And I think the biggest thing is our numbers at the bottom of the pyramid with the little kids, the little girls playing is so big that you're just going to ultimately have a bunch of athletes if you give them the right training, the right opportunity, and the right direction. Um, it also ranks uh, affordability is a big thing uh, because if you go across the rest of the world, it's a lot more expensive than Minnesota to uh, play this game of hockey. And um, I see that every day in California. Yes, I am. Right, yeah, and the travel, right? Because travel is like, it's tiring. Like we go on a Whitecaps trip and I'm an adult and I'm like exhausted after three days. And I'm like, some of these girls all over the country and boys, right, in certain markets, I mean, they're having to travel and grind it out every weekend, right? Where I think in Minnesota, it's pretty um, unique that our girls are able to play high school hockey in their communities um, for four or five months. It's every day. Um, like I said, it's affordable. It's probably like 600 bucks to play the whole season. Uh, they're going maybe 30 minutes away and they're home that night. So uh, they can go to the dances. They can um, experience all the high school stuff that they can because is the high school hockey is part of their thing. Now, for our kids in Minnesota, that's just a piece of the puzzle. So that's like three or four months, which is a really short season. And then after that, our girls um, are able to train with the best of the best <laughs> um, and steel sharpen steel, right? So it's one of those things that we have so many numbers and these kids get to compete against each other day in and day out. And I think that's what's super uh, different in our market is that we just are lucky enough to have that many talented athletes in one, <laughs> one metro area. Um, and, and when kids can, when the top kids can train with each other and push each other, I mean, you're going to inevitably get a lot of good athletes. Gotcha. So I'm going to get to the, to the, the league that you're, you're the director of in, in a moment. But before okay. I get to that is one thing I did notice when I was in Minnesota last year for, for a few different hockey events is mm -hmm. that, you know, Minnesota hockey is played differently than, you know, what I see in, in a lot of the rest of the country. Do, is there a Minnesota versus USA hockey development model, which is slightly different? Like, do, are, there, are there some philosophies that are different or are they the same, just applied maybe in a slightly different way? I think it's um, ultimately the same. I just think that the repetition that our kids are able to get in their younger years, um, just their fundamentals of skating and stuff yeah. is uh, pretty good because I think a lot of Minnesotans um, put a lot of uh, stakes into the skating piece of it. So I think that's the biggest difference. And then when you can skate, um, it's a lot easier to keep possession of the puck, right? So uh, I think that kind of just kind of goes hand in hand as far as like that's, I, I know in my programs, it's puck possession and don't throw it because now you got to go get it. Um, and it just, it, it brings out creativity too. And I think a lot of our kids also still do play a lot of outdoor hockey, you know, in their backyards. And so it's, like I said, in Minnesota, it's like a lifestyle. It's not just not just a game it's like 
you're everywhere and it's kind of hockey in Minnesota because what else do you do in this freezing weather for, you know, three months? I mean, you're pretty much outdoors playing hockey. Um, and like I said, it's, it's the ability to, you know, I mean, I have a rink five minutes from my house. I can go be in another rink in 10 minutes. I could, you know, probably 30 rinks in 10 minutes. So um, I think that's what makes us, I mean, cause I'm sure like, you know, in California, I mean, how far of a drive is it for someone to play hockey, right? That's maybe in Southern or Northern California or wherever it might be, right? It's, and then I think our burnout is a lot less because these kids aren't having to travel all the time, gotcha. uh, which, you know, keeps it kind of more fresh. And, and, and I noticed that like, you don't always use all the USA hockey rules. So at the two of the tournaments that I was at, you know, the icing on a power play oh, yeah. doesn't exist. Right. So the upper, the upper Midwest elite league, um, that's, that's where we, for people that don't know what it is, it's pretty much our best high school girls and boys, the boys have it on their side. It's a little bit different. Um, but we pretty much draft our teams. So we have even teams at our 19th and 16th level. Uh, so we have really good, you know, we have 24 games before the high school league starts. So that's from September till October. And um, so all the games are super competitive. Like I said, it's on the weekends. It's during, you know, one day, maybe during the week. But these kids are also able to just stay home. You know, it's like they're, like I said, once again, they're not traveling for eight weekends in a row. It's like, okay, they're driving to Fogarty Ice Arena and Blaine, and then they're driving home. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're staying at, you know, home or if they have some other activities or family, you know, stuff like they can be a part of that. And then with our league, it's, it's more prepping. It's a development league. It's not about winning, right? Because all of our kids, we've been able to get all together. So we're not fighting over kids or certain programs aren't fighting for this kid to this kid because we want them all together. When they're all together, they're more powerful <laughs> together. And, and, and how, so um, there are certain teams that always seem to rise to the top within that league that, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, yeah, the Upper Midwest Elite League. Exactly. Yep. So, and, and, and if they win the league, they go to national championships for the under-16s yeah, so or the under-19s, Yeah, so it's between us right? and Shattuck, yeah. So Shattuck and our teams play in a state game yeah. um, usually. And, and it's a little bit different because even if our Elite League teams win it, our kids don't necessarily go to nationals um, because in high school hockey, which most of the country doesn't understand, our state high school hockey tournament is what our girls, you know, really, really have a passion about, right? Because that's what the kids they've been playing with since they've been 10 <laughs> um, and they've played all the way up. So when we go to a national tournament, it's awesome. Our kids have a great time. They compete hard, but if they lose, they leave and they're like, okay, hey, we're just going home, right? Where these other programs from all over, like that's their team. That's the only team that yeah. they have known, right? So it's a little bit different where we're just pulling our kids together for a month and a half. Like they all train together in the summer and stuff, but like they're, they're a team for two months and then they get back together for three weeks and then play. So it's not like they've, you know, been one team of, you know, yeah, for whole season. kids for, for their whole season. life, right? And this yeah. is, but their high school teams are like that, which is totally different. Yeah, understood. The difference between high school hockey and then kind of league hockey yeah. prior to the, the start of the high school season. And, and there's a big gap, correct me if I'm wrong, of like almost five or six months in between when they win yeah. the championship 
in October, basically. Yep. So our upper Midwest elite league teams, um, our 19s and 16s, Minnesota hockey, um, stops those before the high school season starts. And then those don't start up again until March. So, and then the national tournament's in April, right? So all of our kids haven't skated together for four or five months. Gotcha. And, <laughs> and we've and, been together uh, for three weeks. <laughs> and and you mentioned that it's a draft to pick the team. So do you try and stack one of the teams so that no, it, no, they so can do like it? That, so yeah. it's just random no. whoever happens yeah. to be the good team out of the 12 that Yep, it's whoever gels the most, right? Because sometimes people go to national camp like, oh, this team is stacked, but then they're like not the best team, right? So it's like you never know what you're going to get. So uh, us coaching, our coaches staff, which I'd say all of us have played Division One hockey, uh, we draft it where, because as coaches, we don't want to get beat every game, right? We're all competitive. <laughs> so yeah. we try to, you know, draft it where it's a first line, you know, first line, second line, second line, third line, third line, so forth. So, and who we think our D pairs are going to play well together and um, stuff like that. And in our league, we don't shorten the bench. Um, you know, we don't have power plays, penalty kills. It's just go out and play. Because I go, my philosophy on that is all these kids are going to play Division One hockey, um, especially on our 19th team, right? Because we have two. And I go, they're all going to have to learn these things at the programs that they're going to. So you got to have experience. And I, I'm a firm believer is you have to put people out there because they got to learn that they can do it and they have to learn that they cannot do it. So, um, cause players will learn and be self good self evaluators that maybe I shouldn't be out in that situation. You know, how are you going to know that unless you've been put in that situation? So that's kind of how we're. And so obviously a key piece of this is having good coaches, um, starting even at the youngest of ages. How do you, how do you develop oh, yeah. really good coaches in Minnesota? Because um, one of the biggest challenges that I find, at least, you know, mm-hmm. in the areas that I, I, my kids have been playing hockey is finding really good coaches, you know, year after year after year. Yep. No, it's super tough. And, and with uh, my company with OS Hockey Training, uh, it's been pretty consistent because I've been a coach in it. And I'm, you know, most people are prior doing six hours a day like I am still at my age. Uh, I just love it. And I don't see it as work. I see it more as my hobby and passion because I just really love it. Um, And then I just have, you know, some really strong female staff that have played Division One hockey and they've kind of just watched me for the last probably 10 years. And, you know, some people get it, some don't, but if they don't get it, they can still be, you know, coaches. They're probably not just going to be lead coaches. Um, and so it's just kind of finding people that are really good. And I've got a really good staff of people. That's awesome. Okay, Rick. So I, I got three last questions for you. So first one is, uh, as I kind of mentioned to you before we start hit record, um, you know, I attended with my daughter, the Minnesota elite NIT tournament in October. Mm-hmm. And one thing which impressed the heck out of me was that all the referees were female at the event. Mm-hmm. And there were yep. a lot of teams there and there were a lot of games. So finding yep. that many refs must have yep. been a lot of work. So tell me the, the, the philosophy and the strategy behind having only female yep. refs at, at a major hockey tournament. Yeah, so we are very fortunate enough that the Upper Midwest Elite League um, is with USA Hockey. So USA Hockey, we they are in charge of all the referees for that event because it's the only three-woman event before the national tournament in April. So all those girls are being um, evaluated, trained in on whether or not they're going to be selected 
to the national tournament in wow. USA, Minnesota, or USA hockey. So they fly in referees from all over the country, which is pretty cool. Um, and they've been doing that since day one with us, with our NIT. So it's, it's great that USA hockey is a big piece of that, because like you said, it's, it's a huge tournament, um, a lot of teams and, and it's good practice for the female reps too to get experience. We've had a lot of reps come out of our league, um, and so forth that have gone on to, you know, be professional, uh, referees and also Olympic referees and yeah. mine. So well, you, you can see all of them skate like the wind. So they're, they're, it was pretty impressive to watch them get around the ice. All right. So, um, second to last question is, you know, given that you're, you know, deeply involved with, with the, the upper Midwest high school elite league, um, mm -hmm. How involved are you with helping some of these players get recruited? Do you help with college recruiting? Do you get on the phone with some of the D1 or D3 coaches and kind of give scouting reports? Um, yeah, absolutely. I've been doing that from uh, day one, and I that's kind of uh, what I love to do because um, I think college hockey D1, D3 is the best opportunity for females uh, playing the game of hockey. And that's why I tell every kid, I go, if you can play college hockey, that's, that's, that's just huge. And I go, that's, that's what's satisfying for me and why I put so many hours into it. Because if I can help a girl um, continue to play the game for as long as they can at the college level, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, that's, that's probably my driving force to continue what I do all these years, um, all the hours at the rink and, you know, the feet and the skates all the time. Uh, but when I see those kids uh, continue on, especially the kids that maybe didn't, wouldn't go to college if they didn't have hockey, um, that's, that even makes it more rewarding when you see that. Nice, nice. Okay, good, good to know that, uh, you know, you're, you're always scouting too, so uh, yeah, giving you recommendations. <laughs> um, all right, so um, a lot of parents are stressed out these days and, and players are stressed out if they're graduating in 2023. Uh, and even some 2024s are starting to get nervous, especially if they're goalie parents. Uh, what advice do you have for some of these uh, players and parents as they're going through the college recruiting process, both from D1 and a D3 perspective? Because um, given what's been going on with COVID, a lot less kind of openings and announcements being made uh, these days. Yep. Um, I would just say the biggest thing is they got to um, keep patience and they got to, you know, continue to keep their child positive and um, don't stress out too much because your kids can feel that stress. Uh, and then it just makes them more stressful uh, and let the kids talk about it uh, versus always asking them or talking about it and, and just believe in the process because uh, things happen for reasons. And I mean, one of my biggest things is I tell my girl hockey players, I go, guess what? The last time I got cut from the Olympics, it was December. And I met my husband about three weeks later, <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him for anything. Uh, so it's just, you gotta, it's unfortunate times for these uh, student athletes. And I mean, even the kids in college, but you just got to trust and, you know, make the best decision for yourself and, and just, uh, be patient with it because it's constantly changing. And, and I know when some programs say, Hey, we're, you know, full or we don't have room and you really are passionate about that program, you know, just check in, just send them an email. It doesn't have to be from anyone else. It's just from yourself saying, you know, how much you want to go to that school and why, and 
um, because things could change. And, you know, someone could be leaving, someone could get sick, someone could get hurt. Uh, there's, there's so many, so many factors that can happen. So it's just staying positive and, and just as a parent, just, you know, enjoy the process, right? I go, the fact that the, your kid is even talking to college coaches is a huge accomplishment and just remind your kids of that, you know. That's awesome. All right. Well, Winnie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, it was great. Learning. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm very honored. So. This was great learning about your entire hockey career. I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And the fact that you're still playing, I mean, I know you know this, but like the fact that you're still playing, you got, you know, games coming up probably in Buffalo or something yeah, like that pretty week, soon. Yeah. 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 So uh, I just want to wish you best of luck with the rest of the season and congrats on all your success. And definitely we'll be uh, continue to watching what you're doing in Minnesota to uh, see what's going on with the girls hockey over there. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. I really want to thank Winnie for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn so much about hockey development in the state of hockey, how Winnie was able to have such a long and incredible hockey career, and her advice on how to be the best hockey player you can be. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better, if you could leave us a review so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.